640 Toronto presents Think Tank. Two guests, Toronto's top stories. Now, let's meet the guests. I really dig that uh, opening music. It really gets me going for Think Tank, whether I'm a guest or hosting it. And today I'm hosting it. I've got two great guests joining us, Anna Bailao, former mayoral candidate, and Anthony Fury, former mayoral candidate and broadcaster. Um, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you both for being here. I've I've, I've spoken to you, but Anthony, we spoke yesterday, so this is going to become a regular occurrence. Uh, guys, let's just ben, jump. Where was my runway music yesterday? I, I didn't get the entry music. No, I no, that, it, this, it's specific to Think Tank, <laughs> Anthony, but if you want, we can come up with some Fury-specific music <laughs> moving forward. All right, let's talk about what Doug Ford is calling gutter politics by the NDP amid the Peel region reversal speculation. So uh, for, for our listeners who don't know, uh, it looks like the... The, uh, the Ontario Conservatives are going to flip-flop on a decision that they made. Uh, Doug Ford promised Hazel McCallion uh, that, he, um, that he would um, uh, dissolve Peel Region, and I guess he got sticker shock when he saw how much it would cost and changed his mind. And the NDP, uh, I guess it got personal with him, I think, and he, he took it to heart. Let's listen to what he had to say. Sometimes I, I sit back and I, I look across the aisle and I'm thinking... How do these people get elected? No, I really ask myself, how do they get elected? If their constituents actually were here and they saw how they vote, and they vote to make sure we have the highest carbon tax, vote against every housing policy, vote against the $184 billion of infrastructure, vote against all our great health care initiatives, they would never be voted. Uh, Anna Baila, let's start with you. Um, it, it, there, there was no humor in his voice. There was no smile on his lips. He was angry. He was hurt when he said that. Uh, have you ever taken things too personally in politics? Have you ever and, 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 and said something that you might have regretted later on because you were, you were too emotional about something? Uh, I think we we all take yeah. things a bit personal sometimes. I think we're not human if we don't. If we don't, we're human beings. Politicians are human beings. Um, I think there's quite a bit in this story. I think that um, we all know the relationship that the premier had with with Hazel Metallion. Yeah. Like it was a real close relationship. I, I think we can all see the respect that he had for her, the admiration that he had for her, and I think this hit home. Right, he was hurt with those comments. They went to the core of, of that relationship. And I think he is somebody that really values those personal relationships. And, and I think he was really hurt with all of this. Um, I, I think the other thing with the story is, uh, you know, w- what is this? You know, he's reversing one more time. I think he's been really successful and praised for, you know, being the kind of politician that can uh, go back on, on, on decisions. If things are not going the way that he thought they would go, um, he's been praised for, you know, taking a second look at things. I think he's getting into that territory that, um, you know, when is it too much? When is people going to say, okay, you know, you do it once, you do it twice, you do it three times, you know, is this a pattern? Like, are you yeah. going to second guess every decision? Like, are you only making bad decisions and then going yeah, back? Yeah, we, ele- we, we elected you with certain promises, exactly. and now we're not necessarily getting those promises. So are you the person that we elected? Anthony, do you see things that way? Yeah, I, I think it's well put. I'd agree with Anna that you can sometimes characterize them as a politician who's just admitting, look, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I'm going in an opposite direction. But you can get to a point where it, it blurs into just flip-flopping. I think when it comes to those initial remarks, I get that the NDP opposition wants to get their points 
uh, across against the premier, I would have just left it at saying, oh, you betrayed your trust to Hazel McCallion or whatnot to add the phrase about the deathbed situation and so forth. You can let the listener kind of fill in the blanks if they want, but that's sort of getting into icky territory. And then that gives the premier the right to respond ferociously as he did. Yeah. And, um, and, and when he does, I, I listened to what he said. Look, look, they're not wrong. It's, it's, it's a flip-flop. He said he was going to do one thing, and now it looks like he's going to do another. But listening to him, it, you could hear the hurt in his, uh, in his voice, and it just feels to me like, like he's in the battle, in this specific battle, he's going to win because he was being authentic in that moment. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree, Ben. I think that going that personal uh, can backfire on, on, on the opposition. And, and I think people could, could feel the, the hurt when he was talking about uh, specific Hazel, but, uh, but I think the the issue is bigger than that. Right. And I think that's what we, at the end of the day, he'll have to deal with, uh, with, uh, uh, with a flip-flop situation. When is it just one more time or, or this is becoming a pattern with this government? All right, let's move on to Ottawa, where Speaker Greg Fergus is, uh, there's going to be a probe into his behavior and conduct. They say that uh, he demonstrated improper partisan conduct when he uh, congratulated Bonnie Crombie, the new Ontario Liberal leader, in his speaker's robes in a video that was played at the convention. And there was a video that circulated just a couple of days later of him talking about being a young liberal while visiting, for some strange reason, visiting Washington. I have no idea why he was there. But this is the second uh, scandal for the uh, in, in two successive speakers that we've had in just a few months. Um, I've got to ask, Anthony, is this something that sticks to the liberal caucus? Because both Anthony Rota, who invited the Nazi uh, to the speech, and now the partisan nature of this new speaker, they both came from that caucus. They came from the Liberal caucus. Yeah, it's definitely a bad look, Ben, and a speaker should never be really a part of the story. In fact, the general public should maybe recognize the person's voice and face from seeing them in those question period segments, but otherwise, they shouldn't really know that much about them. One of the interesting things about Andrew Scheer becoming federal conservative leader like he did, and he just beat out Maxime Bernier, is I think people are like, oh, who's, who's this guy? Because you don't actually have the opportunity to develop any sort of political brand when you're speaker for several years, as you shouldn't. And, and this is a really important thing. I know we can say, well, it's just a minor thing, and he's doing this video for a friend, and the guy, okay, let's, let's just let it drop. But I think Canadians are frustrated that we've seen a lot of this from the federal liberals, a lot of rule breaking and they say, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. We're good guys. So let it slip. How many times do we let these things slip? Uh, Anna, it's a trust is a funny thing. It can take years to earn and you can lose it in a moment. And without trust from everybody, without buy in from every party, the speaker can't fulfill the duty that they need to fulfill. So how do you think this is going to shake out? Well, it, it, it's definitely going to create some tension in the House. I mean, it, it has. I mean, a motion was, was put forward right away to, to look into the situation and to, to, to have remedies suggested. Uh, the situation shouldn't have happened. I mean, would we have done it if it was, you know, the Conservatives having their leadership? Would he, And they, somebody that he had a close relationship? I think we don't know. And I think that's what the, uh, the motion is going to look into it. Um, I think that um, it, it is the right thing to do. It's to look. Let, let's, you know, let's let's not create more instability where it's not 
not needed and look at how we can prevent situations like this from happening in the in the future. I think that's that's the main thing. I think this is a lesson for him. Uh, but most importantly, it needs to be a lesson for future speakers as well. How do you deal with situations uh, like this? Do we do it for all? Do you not do it for anybody? Um, I, I think that looking into this and actually having uh, some feedback uh, from PROC will be uh, will be appropriate. All right, we're going to move on to uh, to someone in-house, a Global News Calgary's Leslie Horton took on a troll uh, live on television and she made waves around the world. Let's listen to what she had to say. I'm going to respond to an email that I just got uh, saying congratulations on your pregnancy. If you're going to wear old bus driver pants, you have to expect emails like this. So thanks for that. Um, no, I'm not pregnant. I actually lost my uterus to cancer last year. And um, this is what women of my age look like. So if it is offensive to you, that is unfortunate. I don't know that anybody could have dealt with that with more grace and confidence. Uh, it was a mic drop to end all mic drops. But the question I have for the both of you, you were both on the campaign trail uh, seeking the same job. The difference, one of the main difference, well, one of the differences between you is one of you's a man, one of you's a woman. And I'd love to know uh, what your feelings were about how people perceived Anna, you as a, a female candidate. Did you get criticisms for how you looked, how you dressed, what your hair looked like? And Anthony, I have to guess that you didn't get a whole lot of criticism for your looks. Oh, no, no, you're supposed to go to the, the woman first, and I'm just going to agree totally with everything. <laughs> Anna, come on. I Anna, know set up when I hear one. I want to hear, Anna, tell, tell me about your experience being in the public eye, facing scrutiny, the scrutiny of Twitter. Um, I, I know a lot of women I worked with, it was uh, they, they, they endure this sort of dumb behavior from viewers all the time. Is it the same for a politician? Uh, it, absolutely. Absolutely. It is the same. You get the emails, you got, you get the, the comments, you get the commentary and you're conscious about that. And even the, even how you plan your day, you know, it's very different if you, if you are a man or a woman, because, uh, you know, your team has to make sure that your hair gets done and you have, uh, you know, appropriate clothing that it's not see through and that, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a color that stands out and uh, your hair and your makeup is properly done. So you have to think about all that because we still live uh, in a world that uh, we get all kinds of comments, feedback, and some of them are, uh, are quite nasty yeah. <laughs> in the world that we live in, in social media. You, you, you do get, uh, you do get the, 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 the emails and the feedback like Leslie comment, and you're absolutely right. She was uh, incredible. And, uh, and I think we, we need to echo these, uh, these things when they, they happen and, and support uh, uh, women uh, like Leslie, uh, in all kinds of professions. I, unfortunately, we see, you know, politicians and journalists, uh, they are um, more in the public eye, and we talk more about these stories. But then these, the, these things happen everywhere, in the corporate yeah. world and everywhere. It, it's still very present. A Anthony Fury, you were on the campaign trail. Did anyone comment on your hair or your blazers or the, how your pants fit? Uh, did, were you subjected to that sort of thing? It's amazing that people comment on everything. And, and like in that email that Leslie read out, the person said, you should expect emails like this. It's like, well, it's really bizarre that people actually feel that way. They feel entitled to make that commentary. And, you know, I've always been aware of the fact that women will certainly get it way more and way worse than I will. Ben, you've got a lot more television experience than I did. But back when we had our TV station, Sun News Network, and, and Alex Pearson uh, was a host as well there, I would, you know, we'd get the feedback and we would compare them. And obviously my female colleagues, 
got you know much crazier and much much more emails than than I would certainly get. So for sure. All right, we are going to go to Montreal now. Uh, there's an article in the National Post entitled "The Montreal The Montreal Systemic Discrimination Watchdog Who Seems Strangely Fine with Discrimination." So this woman, I hope I'm not butchering her name, but I believe it's Bokra Man Manai. Uh, is uh, she's she she works in the systemic discrimination office, and um, she's been very silent on the rising anti-Semitic incidents, but she's but also been attending rallies organized by pro-extremism groups. Why does this keep happening? We keep putting people in positions where they are supposed to be anti-racist or they're supposed to teach us about uh, systemic discrimination, and then they do the exact opposite of what they're supposed to be teaching us. Uh, I want to start with you, Anthony. Yeah, Ben, I think one of the challenges is that the push to create all of these offices and positions at different levels of government comes from a good place. But invariably, you end up uh, hiring from a pool of people who more come from an activist community as opposed to a sort of neutral uh, legal approach following a certain letter of the law. So they do inherently bring sort of a slant from one political or activist perspective. And I think a lot of times they can maybe navigate the issues cleanly, but then certain issues flare up and you go, oh, we actually have an extremely biased person in this post. And, and I think that's the challenge yeah. with uh, with these sort of gigs. And uh, what, what do you think about this? I mean, we saw it with Leif Maroof, and now we're seeing it with uh, Bokram and I. I'm sure it's happening elsewhere. Well, we saw it, we saw it on uh, Capitol Hill where the uh, the – the presidents of some of the most esteemed universities in the world who are expected to represent the interests of all students um, c- could not come out and say uh, cleanly and clearly that uh, calling for the genocide of Jews uh, breaks their code of conduct. There's a failure of leadership in the places where we desperately need leadership. Yeah, and 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 you you said something that it, it's the the we're in desperate need of leadership in here. And when you're calling actions, uh, um, uh, anti-discrimination actions that you need to call out. I mean, she's a watchdog, and she's not calling out the anti-Semitic acts that have skyrocketed in the province. Like we see it in, worse than anywhere in the country. And there's not a, a, a conversation about it. There's not a, a condemnation of, of these acts and not even an acknowledgement of what happened on October 7th. I, I think there needs to be some self-awareness in here and, and really some soul searching on the job that you're doing and how you're doing it. And uh, and I, 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 I think that we need to bring the temperature down. I mean, I've been on this show with, with Mohammed and, and other people, and we've, we've all been saying, you know, we need to call out acts of Islamophobia, acts of anti-Semitism, uh, and, and she's not. She's, she's yeah. calling on some acts and not all the acts. So when you're the discrimination watchdog and you're not calling uh, uh, acts of anti-Semitism, when they're on the rise the way that they are in this province and in this city, uh, there's a huge problem with that and it needs to be called out and, and action needs to be taken, in my opinion. And, and to take a page out of uh, what Anthony was saying, when you come from the activist world, there is a chance that you might be cut from the self-righteous cloth, believing that you have a noble mission that you need to pursue. And the problem with the self-righteous is they believe that their mission is so noble and so important that the rules that they are foisting upon the masses do not apply to them. And I think that's that's what we're seeing here. 
Yeah, and that's why you need, uh, you know, self-awareness when you're taking these jobs to really understand the role that you're taking. Um, this is not a, a, an activist role for one side or the other. This is, this is you, you actually lead, need the leadership to, to bring the, the, the temperature down and to call all acts of anti-discrimination, which is not happening in this situation. Um, I want to talk about uh, criminal justice reform in the oddest possible way. Yesterday, there was a big story. I think Brian Lilly uh, talked about how there are just under 800 um, uh, criminals in our criminal justice system. They're deemed dangerous offenders, but only 99 of those dangerous offenders are in a maximum security facility. And so we talked about it on the show yesterday and about how the the the, um, the criminal justice system in Canada seems to have forgotten about the notion of punishment and deterrence and instead is really focusing on rehabilitation at the expense of the feelings of the of the victims. And so then I read this story that has nothing to do with that, but it still makes me think about it. But this woman who got a burrito bowl at Chipotle and she was so upset with how it looked that she threw it in the face of the woman or the person who made it for her. And this was deemed uh, assault. She was sentenced to jail but the judge decided that she would, yes, she'd go to jail for a certain portion of it, but then she would spend 30 days actually working in fast food to develop empathy for the people that she that she had attacked. What do you think of that? What do you think of adding empathy to uh, to the, the notions that we should pay attention to for certain crimes? I'm not talking about Paul Bernardo crimes, but for certain crimes in uh, in the before the justice system. Uh, well, let's start with you, Anthony. Well, look, I, I agree that uh, this woman clearly needs to learn a bit more about what other people are going through in their day if she thinks she's entitled to do this. But the person probably also has some other issues going on if this is how they respond to a basic situation of not being satisfied with their order. I mean, I've seen that video. Good grief. What are they thinking? And I'm sure this employee is making minimum wage or close to it and probably has had their own difficult day. It's, it's really something. I, I'm never rude to telemarketers as much as, you know, nobody wants those calls because I did that myself yeah. when I was in university. And I know it's not the greatest job in the world. So you always want to be polite in all those situations. And and to think when you're at a fast food place that you're doing this, I mean, I mean, good heavens. And yeah, I think it's it's right to call it assault because, you know, you, you threw this thing at the person. It's hot food. Like we can't normalize this sort of behavior. It's It's another sort of alarming sign about the a bit of a fray to the social fabric that someone feels they can do this. And Anna Bailau, we see this. I mean, we've, this is this video has, has made the rounds, but there are countless other videos of people um, condescending to and being and attacking uh, people who work in the service industry. And but I like the idea that this woman needs to walk a mile in the shoes of her victim. I think that yeah. will go a long way to, for her to see just how hard that job is, how it is thankless, how when she's on the other side, she is going to be on the receiving end of perhaps some insults herself. And and she will walk away from this. I mean, we were talking about rehabilitation. This is a great way to rehabilitate people. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think that uh, our justice system needs to look into uh, other forms of of uh, rehabilitation <laughs> and uh, and having somebody walking in somebody else's shoes is part of it. 
Um, I do agree with something that Anthony said, though, which is the, you know, the fact that it, it, it seems that there's more to this person than than just not being empathetic. And and so I, I, I feel like the sentence could have done this, but could have been a bit further. And this is the behaviors that we're seeing more and more in our society. And is it connected with also mental health issues? Is it our social behavior? So I, I think it's great that, that it was um, uh, considered assault, that, that there's a punishment, that there's a rehabilitation part of it. Um, but I, I, I think that, you know, that whole conversation is, is about mental health that in this sentence was missed as well. And, and I'm not um, sure that there isn't a, a little bit more that, that could have been done to, to help this, uh, this person as well. But I think that uh, having that, uh, that woman walking in somebody else's uh, uh, shoes and doing the job and, and feeling it, uh, uh, I think, I, I think it's, it, it, it's good. I think it's great. In, uh, on September 4th, 1984, uh, Brian Mulroney's progressive conservatives won 50% of the vote in Canada. One out of every two voters voted for, for my dad. And uh, that hasn't happened since then. Though he got 50% of the vote. It's, it's a huge accomplishment. But that happened at a time where there were three parties vying for people's votes. Uh, a great accomplishment. But today, there are far more, there's far more competition for votes. There are far more voices out there. There's far more uh, distractions. And what does it say to you, Anthony Fury, that Abacus Data has put the Tories at 42% of the vote if it were held today. That is a heck of an accomplishment. That is a heck of a thing to say. Canadians have really soured on Justin Trudeau and they're really liking what they're hearing from Pierre Polyev. And that's what it tells us. The question is, what's it gonna look like, you know, 18 months from now or whenever there's an election? But uh, I, I think people are deciding after about a decade of Trudeau government, they're, they're pretty much done with it. Anna Bailao, does that, does that number surprise you, 42% of Canadians? Um, you know what? I think the conservatives are tapping into something and to in the Canadian population that there is some uh, discontent, there's anger, there's something that they're tapping in there. I'm not sure how solid that vote is. I think that's what we will see over the next 18 months to two years. Are, are people parking their vote because those are the two loudest voices? Is it their government or Poliev? You know, the NDP has not been able to really break through and they're supporting the government with the deal. So is it is it uh, are people just parking their vote? Will the election matter? I am somebody that believes that elections do matter. Um, and, and so I, I'm not uh, sure that this is a solid 42 oh, percent. Yeah. This vote still is not going to move back and forth, but that they're definitely tapping into a discontent out there. They are. The message is resonating. Uh, they've been very good with their uh, with their media um, uh, uh, postings, with the way that he's speaking, with this transformation, and uh, and he's definitely connecting with people. Yeah, Anthony, I, 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 there is a lot of time, and unforced errors happen all the time. Uh, if the economy improves, so too will Justin Trudeau's numbers. But the opposite is also true. If we actually fall into an official recession, I don't know that his numbers get better. Uh, and I think I think those the numbers for Pierre uh, go up. Um, but um, uh, this it should, the, the number itself. And yes, it's a snapshot of today. It doesn't that doesn't mean anything in the future. But if you look at at, at the the past few months for the for the Tory Party. Seems like they've had a lot of message and party discipline. I haven't seen a lot of unforced errors from those guys. And if that is a sign of what's to come, 
then I think you can reasonably think that they have a, a reasonable shot at keeping this number where it is. Whoa, party discipline for 18 months? I don't know. I wouldn't <laughs> bet on that. I wouldn't bet on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it's just optimistic thinking for me. Hey, guys, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Your voices on Think Tank are two of the best, and uh, I just thank you for enduring me as host. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Great.